The Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show is sponsored by Acunet Mortgage, an equal housing lender, NMLS ID 255368, and Acunet Realty Advisors, which is a separate company from but still affiliated with Acunet Mortgage. Welcome to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show, getting you inside information on buying, selling, and financing your home with expert advice from Acunet Mortgage and Realty's Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And a very pleasant uh, Sunday morning, everyone, and welcome to the Accurate Mortgage and Realty Show with uh, Brian Wicker to understand that uh, David will be taking a couple of days off. So Brian and I are going to be working together today. Always a pleasure. Yes, sir. During your tease, you uh, let our audience know just what a, what, a, what a busy show you have lined up today. Lots of great information, Brian. Yeah, let's get started uh, talking about this uh, retirement age couple. In fact, the uh, they are going to get married, so I'll call him the husband. And uh, he just retired a couple months ago, <clears throat> and they are going to sell both of their single-family homes, which they own free and clear in the Chicago area. And uh, when we started out the process a few weeks ago, we thought that they were going to be buying what I'll call a rare detached condo in the Chicago area. Mark, have you ever heard of I'm interested in that, condo? yeah, that description, detached condo, meaning uh, what exactly? Yeah, well, if, just as an example, my mom and her husband lived in an attached condo in New Berlin called Waterford Square, but there was one unit, at least one, maybe there were a couple, <clears throat> in that development. So theirs was a group of four units, you know, very common townhouse okay. style, four units in one building, and then you got all these, you know, different four-unit buildings throughout the project. But there was one unit, at least, that stood all by itself. Interesting. And the reason I remember it is that its owner was Milwaukee Brewer slugger Jeremy Burnett's. Really? Okay. And yeah. And, and so the reason why that's important is in mortgage lending, a detached condo gets treated the same as a single family home. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. But but just to clarify, and people get confused about this all the time, we confuse architectural style with the legal form of ownership. And you can actually mix things up. So, you know, townhomes, high-rise condos, everybody gets it. Oh, yeah, that's a condo. <clears throat> but condos can either be detached or attached. In fact, I did a little research. The uh, word condominium comes from Latin, where con means together with, and dominium means the right of ownership. So if you put those backwards, it's the right of ownership together is what condominium means. And, and so with a condominium, you typically just own the airspace or what we often call the paint inward is what you own as the owner of that condominium unit. And you also own an undivided uh, interest in all the common areas and the exteriors of all the buildings. So all the roofs, the siding, if there's a pool, the pool, the tennis courts, the clubhouse, you own all of, it, all of that together. And sometimes your HOA dues will vary based on how big your condo unit is. Well, right. all right, so we, we misunderstood that these folks were buying a detached condo, and shortly thereafter we figured out it was a regular attached condo, kind of three units in a row. The reason why this is important is we started out with a VA loan. Now, the VA loan is the coolest thing since tap beer. And, well, first of all, you have to be a veteran, though to qualify for a VA loan. And the reason why this was so attractive to this couple was with a VA loan, you don't have to make any down payment. 
So you get 100% financing. And because this particular veteran was disabled, yes. the VA waives the normal minimum upfront 1.75% of the loan balance fee called the VA funding fee. And, and so what was really attractive is this essentially was going to be a bridge loan. So the theme of our show today is bridge loans and condominiums. So what what this was going to be was sort of a bridge loan in reverse where the buyers were going to get 100% financing on the new home that they were buying. And uh, the other thing, just by the way, about VA loans is there is no monthly mortgage insurance on any VA loan. So it's kind of cool. It's a good deal, yeah. Um, the alternative, because normally you're presented with the situation and you think, well, this guy owns his $600,000 single-family home free and clear. Why not just get a bridge loan, which is a loan on the old house, kind of like a giant home equity line of credit, and then use that money, get a $375,000 bridge loan, and then you can be a cash buyer on the condo. But he didn't want to do that because the bridge loan lender uh, or his bank, which happens to be the same bank that Acunet refers Chicago area bridge loan opportunities to, they charge a 1% origination fee on bridge loans. So they mm. were trying to avoid that $3,750 uh, uh, expense of getting the bridge loan on the old home. That's why this VA loan looked attractive. Well, all of a sudden now we realize it's not a detached condo, the rare, uh, you know, rarest of rare breeds, because they are not very common. And so now it's like, well, now what are we going to do? Well, then the, then the home buyer said, well, let's do 5% down. What's the least we can put down on a Fannie Mae loan? 5%. Okay, that's what we want to do. <sighs> All right, well, the problem, then this is where I got involved. I got on the phone with him and the loan consultant and explained that with 5% down on a condominium, we are going to go through a excruciatingly detailed condominium project review that often results in failure. And so do you really want to go down this road of 5% down where we might find something wrong with the condo project? Because we got to review everything about the condo, including a budget. And that's where a lot of condo projects fail is on the budget because they're not putting enough money in a cushion account. Okay, well, then 10% down. All right, great, because at 10% down on a condo, as David likes to say, do you get the feeling that details matter in mortgage? <laughs> there you the go. Right. Is a resounding yes. At 10% down, we can get away with what's called a limited review, very cursory glance at the facts about the project. But then the homeowner didn't really want to pay for private mortgage insurance, nor did he really want to put uh, uh, money aside every month for property taxes, which is required. So then he decided to put 20% down. I'm going to finish up this story after we come back from this first break of the show. Okay, very good. And you're listening to the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Home buying advice from the guys who know it best. This is the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. The Brewers and Pirates getting set to wrap up their three-game set from beautiful Miller Park this afternoon. Mr. Baseball Bob Euchre is behind the mic as always, and our Brewers coverage getting underway at 12.35 p.m. right here on WTMJ. Learning all about uh, condominium structure and whether the unit you're looking at is attached or not can make a difference because, as we often learn on this program, details really do matter, Brian, right? The devil is in the details. So we're talking about this nice Chicago area couple trying to downsize. 
and uh, buy a, a attached condominium. And we started out because of a misunderstanding, thinking we could do 100% financing on a VA loan. Oh, when we realized it was an attached condo, that went out the window. Then we went to 5% down, but that had obstacles and possible fatalities to the transaction. So then we went to 10% down. Oh, didn't want to have PMI, didn't want to escrow for taxes. So then the buyer says, let's do 20% down. And that's when I had to tell him, well, you're not going to believe this, but it's true. The pricing on a 30-year fixed rate condo with 20% down is worse, meaning higher rate or closing costs or both, than if you put 10% down. And the reason is that at 10% down, Fannie Mae is protected by that private mortgage insurance policy. And Fannie Mae has for years believed, uh, allegedly through their actuarial experience, that more people default on condos than on single-family homes. So they charge a worse execution, a higher rate and or fees at 20% down. But if you go to 25% down, then they say, okay, now the buyer's got enough equity that it's the same risk to Fannie Mae as if it was a single-family detached home. So fine, now the buyer's going to put 25% down. And because this guy's retired and he's got time on his hands and he's smart and he's proactive, he calls up the bank where he banks in Chicago, the same bank that Acunet refers people to for bridge loan financing in Illinois, and he starts going down the bridge loan track with this bank until he asks that person, that he's talking with, well, what would the payment be on my one-year bridge loan? And this person erroneously and incorrectly tells him, are you ready? Oh, yeah. Just $8,300 $8, a month. Wow. <laughs> like, what? Wow. And so the guy calls me back and he says, I'm not doing a bridge loan. The, the, the payment's going to be $8,300 a month. I want to go back to 10% down. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. So then we did a conference call with the person that I work with or Acunet people work with to do bridge loans and straighten about the bridge loan payment's only going to be $600 a month, not 8300 And so then we were able to coordinate, get all of our home buyer's documentation that we already had securely transmitted down to the Chicago bank. So he is now already pre-approved and ready to go. All they got to do is an appraisal. Uh, on his house there in Chicago, and we've got the bridge loan financing set up, but there's one more trick that we have to do is we got on a phone call with the home buyer's financial advisor, and we have to have him start to take out, I believe the figure is $1,700 a month out of his IRA because we need that extra qualifying income in addition to his Social Security and pension income so that he can carry the cost of both the new house and his bridge loan payment on the old home and his taxes and insurance on the old home uh, in order to qualify. So lots of moving parts there. Oh, yeah. And sometimes in our line of work, you've got to be a kind of a orchestra leader and coordinate you know, several different things to uh, make a good outcome. Uh, for the for the customer, so it's all about having the enough tools in the tool drawer and the knowledge to use them, you know, in order to do that. So I think we are finally on the. Oh wait, there's one more thing I got to yeah. tell you. So after we get the whole bridge loan going, we get an email from this guy saying, oh, "I just found out there might be a special assessment being levied by the association." Really, and I'm not sure I want to go through with this. <laughs> so. After uh, after sorting through and, all and, this stuff. Right, wow, right. Wow. After, like, yeah. 
and but that's that is a a common you know problem or issue people think that everything's okay this is a condo association of course it's well run in fact these folks did their homework and this condo association even has a reserve study where they paid a third party to figure out what they should be setting aside money for and yet apparently they're not setting aside enough because the association is contemplating doing a special assessment that's where they tell every owner hey man you got to pay up x dollars right now to because we have this repair that we need to make all right you can never assume when we come back you just can never yeah, assume. never assume and and we do that all the time as human beings it is human nature so depending right, upon we come, i'm sorry depending upon ahead, what you're dealing ahead. with you literally have to have a checklist i mean you got to go down that checklist <sighs> because everyone's different y- yes sir and 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 especially when you're dealing with condos you're joining a club where you're relying on other people to do a good job at managing all the expenses all right when we come up we're going to give mark a choice when we come back whether we're going to talk about um another bridge loan scenario where the homeowner had gotten bumped so we can either talk about the wisconsin bump clause or your choice, Mark, you get to decide when you come back, or do you want to talk about the big Jackson Hole uh, central banking convention that's held every year and just wrapped up yesterday? I'm we'll kind of interested in that convention. When we come back. All right, All right. and you're cool. listening to the Academic Mortgage and Realty Show right here on WTMJ. Getting you into the home of your dreams. Here's more of the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickard on WTMJ. Desmond Howard, Travis the Roadrunner Williams, and some of today's Packers are among the candidates for the best kick returner in Packer history in our newest Green Bay 100 all-time team vote. Text the number 100 to 414-799-1620 to make your pick. Brian, before the break, you were saying there's a pretty big gathering of significance going on in Wyoming right now. What's that all about? Yeah, well, every year the uh, Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City holds an annual economic retreat. And for 36 years, it's been held in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Uh, Now, some of the notables that are there are the CEO of the Hong Kong Monetary Authority, the Bank of Portugal's head, the Bank of Argentina, and all the central bankers from the following countries, Mexico, Colombia, Israel, Brazil, Iceland, South Africa, Ireland, Chile, Norway, Finland, Japan, Peru, Australia, Saudi Arabia, England, not to mention Amazon and Intel's chief economists are there, academics from Harvard, Northwestern, Stanford, UC Berkeley and MIT, and, of course, the 11 sitting regional Federal Reserve Bank presidents and all three governors from Washington. So this is high, high-powered stuff. Now, before 1982, the uh, conference was held somewhere within the Federal Reserve's 10th District, which is headquartered in Kansas City. But in 1982... Something fishy happened, and that fishy thing was that the then chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank, one Paul Volcker, decided, you know, what time of year do you have this? August. I really like fly fishing. Why don't we hold the conference in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, where there is some fine, fine fly fishing? And so that is why, for the last 36 years, Every all these people from around the world go to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, because Paul Volcker liked to fly fish. Isn't that interesting? That is a great backstory. That really is. That's the way the big yeah. boys do it, right? That's right. I mean, who won? I recommend it. Uh, we we took a family trip there in 2011, and it was fabulous. Lots to do, whitewater rafting, beautiful. You know, they're skiing there in the winter, but that's right at the bottom of the um, 
Yellowstone uh, National Park. Wow. Is where Jackson I bet the Hall waters are pure, pristine, and just gorgeous. Oh, and cold. And cold. So, and, you know, the reason why this is interesting, you know, if, if Chairman uh, Powell uh, gave a speech, his big speech on Friday, and kind of the big outstanding question of all these folks, one of the big outstanding questions is, what is the natural rate now of unemployment? Uh, last time we had a reading, which would have been for uh, July, it was 3.9%, which seems awfully low. So, it's, And normally you would think that low unemployment, there's a scarcity of laborers, that should drive up wages. And if wages go up, well, that should drive up the cost of things, meaning inflation. And remember, inflation is the enemy of interest rates. And the reason is that, you know, if you're getting a 2.8% yield on a 10-year United States government bond, and if inflation is all, if prices are going up by 2.8%, you're not making any money. You're, you're just sitting still. Right. So the, the current thinking is, well, maybe the natural balanced unemployment rate is somewhere between 4 and 4.5%. But the good news for all of us consumers and mortgage lenders is that uh, Chair Chairman Powell said, you know what, we're just going to keep raising rates uh, slowly, gradually. We're not going to do anything crazy and like, you know, crank them up by a half percent all in one step. Uh, I got to look it up Uh, after the news. uh, I'll give you the current odds on the next uh, rate hike, which is expected to happen at the next Fed meeting, which is in the third week, I believe, of September. It's in the 90s. I don't know if it's 95 percent, but it's it's right around there. And then there's another rate hike expected uh, in December. So after the news, I've got another story uh, about the Wisconsin bump clause, and we'll also do a little rate roundup after the news. Don't break the bank to get into a house. Back to the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. It's uh, great to have you with us uh, on this Sunday morning. Dave is taking the day off. Brian is uh, teaching us just a bunch of stuff about his trade, his industry, and we're going to catch up on some rates here in a few minutes. Am I correct? Yeah, sure. Let's just give you the quick breakdown. Uh, even though the odds of a Fed rate hike, which affects the short end of interest rates, uh, when we say the Fed's going to hike rates, that's the rate that they charge member banks to park money there overnight. And uh, so that's going to be in the two to two and a quarter range. That's going to push so the chances are over 95% that they're going to they're going to do it. In September, they're going to do it. The market believes they're going to do it. Everybody thinks they're going to do it. That's already baked into today's rates, by the way. Uh, but that's going to push, except for the prime rate. Now, the prime rate is the rate that everybody pays on their home equity, home equity lines of credit. And uh, that's going to go from the current 5% up to 5 and a quarter. And then the odds of another Fed rate hike in December, which would push the prime rate to 5.5%, uh, are at about 60%. So we got two more rate hikes this year and then three more slated for 2019. But meanwhile, on the long end of the interest rate curve, uh, interest rates on things like 10-year United States Treasury notes, that's where people lend money to the United States government for 10 years, that's down to like 282 We had been sneaking up near 3% just a couple of weeks ago. They're back down. And over on a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage, uh, the current rate as of the close of business on Friday on a $200,000 loan amount, if you had 25% equity and all the other right stuff, 4.5 is doable with an APR of 4.56. And the uh, loan costs on that would be $2,159. 
because you'd be paying us a half of a point, one half of 1% or $1,000 to get that rate. But at 4.625 with an APR of 4.639%, your total loan costs are only $984. And the payment difference between those two is a mere $14.91 a month. Also, the popular 15-year fix, popular for refinancers, I should say. Almost nobody gets a 15-year fixed rate loan when they're buying a home because of the payment difference. Uh, the 3.99 trophy rate is still available uh, if you're willing to pay five-eighths of a point to get that, making the annual percentage rate 4.10%. So rates are surprisingly low. And the general reason is because rates are low in Europe and Japan, and so it's it's a relativity thing. It's not because of the fundamentals here of the economy in the United States. It's the fact that we're part of a global economy that's keeping long-term rates low. I say thank you very much because they, they shouldn't be this low. All right, so now let's uh, turn our attention to another uh, home buyer. I got this call, WTMJ listener, called me, uh, I want to say it was late in the week uh, before. So we could go on Friday and said, Brian, um, my wife and I put in an offer on a home and we made it subject to the sale of our home and we got bumped. So I need to talk to you and learn about bridge loans. So first of all, let's talk about the Wisconsin offer to purchase bump clause. So if you fill out the line that says, I'm going to buy your house, Mark, as long as I can sell my house first. That's called the closing of buyer's property contingency. But then that same section of the contract, starting on line 305, states that if a seller accepts a bona fide secondary offer, in other words, the seller gets another written offer, the seller may give written notice to the buyer who made it contingent on the sale of their house. And if the buyer does not deliver to the seller a written waiver of the closing of buyer's property contingency. In other words, if they don't say, okay, okay, I'll still buy your house even if I don't sell my home. And then importantly, a smart seller will insert additional language on the blank line that says, hey, not only do you have to waive that sale of home contingency, you also have to prove to me that you can do it by either giving me evidence that you actually did sell the house or maybe an approval for a bridge loan. And if you don't do those things within X number of hours, typical time frame on a bump clause is 72 hours, which is three days, then the seller has the unilateral right to cancel the contract. So that's what happened to these WTMJ listeners. Wow, okay. They lost their dream house because they weren't prepared to do a bridge loan, okay? And now, uh, you know, in, in writing an offer contingent on the sale of your house used to be commonplace, but it's it's just not uh, anymore in this tight market because who wants to be tied to the success of somebody else's, you know, pricing and condition of their home? Absolutely. Right. I don't want to. Right. I mean, so so uh, he called back then early this week, got him connected with one of our senior loan officers, and he now has a credit verified pre-approval that does not require the sale of their existing home. Uh, because we think we can get them approved for a bridge loan, and we're in the process of gathering their income and asset documentation so that we can upgrade the uh, pre-approval to rock solid, and hopefully they'll they'll get another home under contract soon. So a bridge loan success story there. All right, when we come back uh, from this next break, 
I want to tell you about two condominium buyers who want to sell their condos in the worst way and go back to owning single-family detached homes. We'll tell you why right after this. All right, and you're listening to the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ. Important home buying questions and answers you can count on. This is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. Major renovations taking place at Discovery World on Milwaukee's lakefront. Mike Spaulding had the chance to sit down with president and CEO of the popular attraction, Mr. Joel Brennan, to hear their conversation at 11 o'clock this morning. Just dial us up here on WTMJ for our weekly series at 11 o'clock Sunday's WTMJ conversations. Brian, before the break, you're about to tell us a story about a couple who's ready to make a bit of a change in their life, right? Yes, I talked to uh, two customers this week who want to sell their condos and go back to owning single-family detached homes. Before I do that, though, got to give a shout-out to our regular listeners, uh, my brother David, his wife Carolyn, and uh, his son, my nephew Steve. They're all down here this weekend for the Wickard Family Lake Outing, which was yesterday, and a beautiful day for that. And uh, we're going to go play a little golf this afternoon. Looks like the storm's going to hold off. Also, my Aunt Audrey, who is here, was busting my chops because I had mentioned, you might recall, a couple of weeks ago I mentioned Aunt Audrey on the air and said that she was 92. And she was busting my chops because she said, if you're going to shave years off my age, telling us that she's really really older than 92, why don't you go a little farther? If you're gonna, wow. if you're gonna spread the rumor that I'm uh, younger than I actually am, so Aunt Audrey, you're 89 years old today, uh, as far as the Accident Mortgage and Realty Show goes. Okay, so so I get a call from uh, a client, past customer who we helped her buy her condo uh, two years ago. I just looked it up, and she's now had enough of the condo life, and the reason, two reasons really. Um, she doesn't like being a member of the HOA because you're not in control, right? You're part of a club. And the HOA fees have gone up, you know, and again, you're not in control. Plus, I think she's starting to look ahead, and she's contemplating retiring in three or four or five years. She works for a school system. And her taxes and condo dues and insurance alone add up to 850 bucks a month. When she bought in 2016, she decided on a very attractive 2.875% 15-year fixed rate. But that is a $1,700 principal interest payment. So her carrying cost on the condo, if she were to stick it out, is $2,500 a month. She'd like something less than that as she contemplates retirement. Plus, she wants to be done with dealing with the association. So interestingly, now she has already found a for sale by owner buyer potential buyer for her condo and she's already found a house that she would like to write an offer on uh, that is also for sale by owner so maybe this for sale by owner market is bigger than we think you know as we talk about monthly home sales reflected in the multiple listing service maybe there are and and i don't have a real good way to quantify that but just this is anecdotal and so she needed help on a couple of fronts One, when you sell for sale by owner, there are things that you need to do and provide that are normally taken care of by the real estate agent. But because we're friends and and, uh, affiliated with Lakefront Title, uh, they have a really nice for sale by owner package of services where they will do everything that a, a real estate company normally does, including providing title insurance to the new buyer, but also 
getting the payoff statement and, and, and a bunch of other things that have to get, oh, preparing the closing statement that has to be done. All the details that need to be done when you're selling a property. So I connected um, Terry with with uh, Sarah Wiesman. Oh, and she's also a licensed real estate agent so she can help write up the offer on the house she's trying to buy. So we're really kind of a good place to talk to if you need to buy or sell real estate. Just, you know, call me up there. Phone number's right at the website or acunet.com and, and we can we can do more than than uh, give you a mortgage okay so the in the other interesting thing about her story about terry's story though is that she starts looking at oh well hey this buyer's going to buy my house subject to the sale of their home i wonder what kind of home they need to sell well it's even more expensive it's like i think she said over 700 and that market isn't exactly selling like hotcakes and then she found out that she thought she was going to be able to write the offer on this house that she wants to downsize to contingent on the sale of her condo. But now all of a sudden that seller is telling her she needs to close by mid-October. Rats. So we are looking into how could we use a bridge loan to make sure she can buy that new smaller house before she sells. But I, I don't know if we're going to have a good solution in her case because the carrying cost on that condo is so high. When we do financing for somebody, we have to make sure, and they're not going to sell their old place first, we have to give them you know, what I call the financial stress test, and we have to make sure that they can afford both payments simultaneously, including taxes and insurance and HOA dues. So we're still working on that one. Uh, the other one was a similar story tired of doing the uh, condo thing maybe we'll save that story for next week because when we come back from this last break in the show i want to tell you about a really good article i found and it's kind of scary about the future of fannie mae and freddie mac we'll cover that when we come back and you're listening to the accident mortgage and realty show right here on wtmj find a place to call home Without the headache, this is the AccuNet Mortgage and Realty Show with Brian Wickert on WTMJ. And we're back. David has taken the day off. Uh, we're joined by Brian. Uh, Brian, I just have to say again, I've, I've said this before on, on a few occasions, I am most impressed by the lengths you go to find options for the people you're serving. I have yet to hear you on this program say, I finally had to tell someone this isn't going to happen. I mean, you're out there well. digging and coming up with it's almost like you thrive on the challenge of of sometimes doing some very tricky uh tricky business deals. It is, you know, mortgage lending is puzzle work sometimes and and I think you got to be a puzzle solving lover uh to be in our business because you're presented with a set of facts and sometimes the facts aren't good and you got to try to figure it out. Now, you know, we don't talk about the ones that don't work out, because that does happen. Uh, maybe I'll have a story to share with you next week of one that, does, okay. that doesn't always work out. But we do we love what we do. It's all we do. We think about it every day, and and we're darn good at it. Um, so, And we think that that's extra valuable in today's tight purchase market. Well, speaking of things that make the world go round, remember how we were saying before that human nature is to assume that everything's okay? And especially that, you know, things tomorrow are going to be very similar, if not exactly the same as today. Well, in mortgage lending, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are two government-sponsored enterprises, mean that, meaning that they were created by the United States Congress 
decades ago, and they facilitate mortgage financing in America by doing a couple of things. They facilitate the bundling of similar mortgage loans into pools called mortgage-backed securities, and then they act like really big insurance companies because they guarantee the timely repayment of interest every month and the eventual return of principal to any investor around the globe who decides they want to buy one of these bundles of mortgages called mortgage-backed securities. Well, of course, they didn't quite price the risk carefully, and they and they kind of had done a bunch of crazy things during the 2000s, and they would have gone bankrupt. This would have been like an insurance company going bankrupt in the fall of 2008 after the housing crisis because they didn't charge enough uh, insurance premium, which we call a guarantee fee, to cover the risk for all these crazy loans that people were doing in 2005 and six and seven. So the government stepped in, and you and I as taxpayers injected something like $180 billion of our taxpayer money into Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, and now we own them. We've made all that money back, but now literally you and I as taxpayers are Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. We're on the hook. And we're getting all their profits, too. But this January, the appointee uh, that was appointed to run the regulator called the FHFA, Federal Housing Finance Agency, one Mel Watt, is going to be done. <clears throat> and so the Trump administration gets to appoint somebody, and this person has, like, superpowers. This person, this one person, can come in and make changes without congressional approval. And so uh, Mark Zandi who is the chief economist at Moody's Analytics, and another guy wrote an article about the future of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And uh, it's a little scary because they're saying, you know, it is going to happen. There is going to be some contraction when this new director of the FHFA takes over next year. They say, quote, we are likely to see a meaningful shift in the role of Fannie and Freddie. This is likely to mean a reduction of both the Fannie Mae's footprint. What does that mean? Oh, maybe they're going to shrink the maximum loan amount that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac can purchase. Right now it's at 453100 Maybe they're going to shrink the types of transactions. Right now we are helping a lot of homeowners consolidate their variable rate tied to prime home equity lines of credit with their existing first mortgages. They might rule that out. That's considered a cash-out refinance in the definition of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And this new FHA, FHFA director could say, we're not doing cash-out refinances anymore. We're in the business of helping people buy homes, not refinance their other debts. We're helping a lot of people take equity out of their homes and pay off their variable rate, high rate, 12, 15, 18, 21% credit cards. That may not be available sometime starting next year. We, uh, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, buy loans to help people purchase investment properties, duplexes, single-family homes, four-unit homes. They might say we're not doing that anymore. The other thing that they're doing that <clears throat> the Trump administration doesn't like is the people with good credit scores, even though they get a better rate and lower closing costs than people with poor credit scores that are still eligible, they're still cross-subsidy, meaning that if you really price the risk correctly, the people with bad credit and lesser down payments would even pay higher rates and higher closing costs than they currently do. So my uh, I'm ringing the bell and saying, hey... Things may not be the same, at least according to smart people like Mark Zandi, Dr. Mark Zandi, by the way, who is also on the board of directors of locally headquartered Mortgage Guarantee Insurance Corporation, MGIC. 
he's saying, man, there there are big changes afoot. So sometime in 2018, we could wake up and the world could be a different place. They also, by the way, ran a what they call extreme scenario where the Trump administration takes steps to completely privatize Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac and say, hey, there's no government guarantee involved anymore. We're going to rehabilitate you and kick you out of the government uh, you know, protection area and you're on your own. And if that were to happen, uh, Moody's Analytics says that home values, uh, the, the number of home sales would drop by approximately 450,000 or 7.5%. And existing home prices would fall by approximately 6% because interest rates would go up by almost a full percentage point if there was no Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. All right, so who knows what's really going to happen, but for now, that's the threat on the horizon. We'll see you back here. Remember, rates are great right now. Click on the blue button at Acunet.com. Get started with your rock-solid guaranteed pre-approval to buy or a no Social Security number required refi checkup. We'll see you back here next week, Mark. And, Brian, we're looking forward to it, as always, on WTMJ. Coming up at 11.07, we'll learn more about the Discovery World Expansion Project on WTMJ Conversations in the 12.35 p.m. Brewers and Pirates live from Miller Park. This is WTMJ Milwaukee.